How does a hand up help a family and our community? How does stable, affordable housing impact lives? Find out how our featured Quad Cities nonprofit, Habitat for Humanity, works to give families a fighting chance, not only to survive, but to become valuable contributors to our community. Alice Ayers and Gail Martin have both worked at Prescott Area Habitat for years because they continue to be moved by the mission that provides struggling families with real hope. Alice is the Director of Community Relations and Events, responsible for getting the message out and drawing more support in. Gail is Director of Volunteer Services and gets to place community members in purposeful, meaningful roles like building homes, supporting the Habitat Restore, and so on. Both Alice and Gail are joyful evangelists for the work Habitat does to make decent housing available to as many people as possible here in our community. They have both witnessed the miraculous transformations that can happen when families move into a home they actually own. In this episode of the Prescott Women podcast, we talk about the joys this work provides them, the current challenges that Habitat is facing, and how we can all lend a hand. Grab your hammers and let's go. You're listening to the Prescott Woman Podcast, an audio supplement of Prescott Woman Magazine, and we're your hosts, Kelly Roberge and Charles Matthews. All right, let's get local. Hello and welcome to the Prescott Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Roberge, and I'm here with my co-host, Charles Matthews. Hello, everybody. And our guests this week are Alice Ayers and Gail Martin from Habitat for Humanity. Thank you so much for joining us both. Thank you both so much for joining us. That's what I mean to say. <laughs> Thank you Hi. for the invitation. We, we're so happy to be here. Great. And, you know, for people who are new to this podcast, one of the things that happens every other month is that Prescott Woman Magazine publishes a beautiful, glossy, colorful issue, and they feature a nonprofit organization in each issue. And this month's, or this, uh, it's not a quarter, this semi-monthly issue, uh, the nonprofit is Habitat for Humanity. And Habitat is a big part of Prescott community. Uh, I, for one, have been shopping at the Habitat Restore for years and love it. Um I was wondering. I think you need to come closer to the mic, Kelly. Do you? Yeah. I was, I'm always talking to you loud, so I had to scoot back. I can't hear you. Though. Okay. So, ladies, I was wondering if you could tell our audience, for those people who are new to the idea of Habitat for Humanity, a little bit about the organization. What does Habitat do? Go ahead, Gail. Okay. Um, well, we build houses with low-income families. And started in um, 1989, the pastor of the First Christian Church in Prescott went to a Jimmy Carter build in Colorado. So for those of you that don't know, there's two myths about Habitat. One is that we give houses away and we don't. We sell them with a no interest mortgage. And the other is that Jimmy Carter started Habitat in the business. <laughs> Uh, it actually started in 1976 by Millard Fuller and his wife, Linda. And then um, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind got involved after he left the White House. And through name recognition and his tremendous support, it just took off in America and also around the world. So we're in over 80 countries now. And the pastor went to the um, Jimmy Carter build in 1989. And he was so excited about the program and that it's a hand up, it's not a handout. And he came back and said, boy, we've got to do this here in Arizona. So he got some movers and shakers involved and we got incorporated in, um, I think, April of 1990. And we built our first house in 1990. And we have built... Well, a lot of houses, but some, some of our houses are rehabs. We get them back for various reasons. So we're actually serving our 98th and 99th family. We haven't actually built 98 or 99 houses, but pretty close to it. So we've got one family moving in next week, the beautiful four-bedroom house in Chino Valley. And we have another family that's going to move into a rehab in uh, also in Chino Valley in June. And then we're going to be starting 
two houses in Diamond Valley uh, as soon as we get the uh, permit. And then uh, we have another house that we're going to be building in Prescott. It's part of our Madison Park Cottages project. And that's on Meany Street. You know where that is. It's the Dexter School District area. And yeah, that's what we do. We build houses with low-income families that work really, really hard to get their homes. They have to volunteer at least 250 hours as a down payment or 500 if it's a couple. And and then they get a no-interest mortgage, which makes it affordable. Alice, I'm curious, you know, as Gail rattles off you know, these numbers and, you know, 98, 99 houses being being built or families being housed and and all across the Quad Cities. What does that what does that feel like for you to be a part of that? It's totally amazing. I um, started with Habitat for Humanity in Tucson many, 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 many years ago, and it was um, an organization that I felt something for right away and to be able to be a part of an organization that can do this kind of good for people uh, was amazing. So my gosh, I think it was back in the seventies and eighties in Tucson, Arizona, that I volunteered for Prescott Area Habitat or for Habitat for Humanity. And I love the fact that we can do this type of um, building for family. I mean, these homes are, they're very simple. They're, they're not complicated at all. There's no frills. And to watch the family, their reaction when they actually get into their home is, it's so heartwarming. The keys are handed over to everybody's crying everybody's crying. And uh, I think one of these days, if the two of you would like to come to one of our dedications for uh, a home, I think that you would probably even get a better feel for uh, what actually happens with these families, because many of them have come from impoverished circumstances, bad situations, and to be able to get them out of there and into a safe home has just done so much for the family. So in turn, that also makes me and and all of us at Habitat feel uh, that satisfaction for others. So Alice, you, you say you started as a volunteer. Can one or both of you describe a little bit about the volunteer experience with Habitat? Because you guys run on a lot of volunteer labor, right? Gail actually is the volunteer coordinator. Mm. Um, I did a lot of the volunteer work, which meant that um, I was involved in a lot of special events and a lot of the opportunities that were available for us to be able to create funds and streams of revenue to help the habitat in in the Tucson area to create the opportunity for the the homes for the low-income families. So that was just a different aspect, but Gail is actually the volunteer coordinator. Gail was saying previously when we were, when we were chatting a week or so ago that Gail, you said you, you have the best job Yeah. because you get, is it because you get to interact with the volunteers? Is that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the volunteers are just some of the best people you would ever meet. They've obviously got great hearts because, they're volunteering their time. And we have volunteers that go out and build houses, but we also have volunteers at the Restore. And there's several committees where we have volunteers and special events and on our, our boards all volunteer. And it's very rewarding for people. Uh, and I think any kind of volunteering, whether it's Habitat or people who care or the hospital, you know, it just really enriches your life. Uh, when I first moved here, I volunteered with Prescott People Who Care. And then I got a job, you know, being a volunteer coordinator for Habitat, which is terrific. And uh, yeah, I have so many wonderful friendships now through our volunteers. And I also work with the families quite closely because they have to put their sweat equity hours in. So, so the because sort of the recipients are sort of also volunteers is is yeah. one way to yeah got it great. Um, you said that it's the volunteers their life is in I can't remember how you put it it's it's enriching or you said their life is enriched. 
for somebody who doesn't maybe volunteer much or, or doesn't know about the benefits of, of being engaged in a community that way, can you kind of describe or tell a story about what it is about volunteering with other people that is so enriching? Yes, there's several reasons that people volunteer. Some are retired and they need to have a little structure in their life or they feel like they need to do something or a lot want to give back, actually. People feel very blessed and they just feel they want to give back. And watching a house grow out of the ground is terrific. You know, there's all that boring stuff where you're building the stem walls and you're pouring the footings and whatnot. But when you actually frame a wall and put it up, oh boy, that is a great day when we're doing that. And then also swinging the trusses, that those are the best times. So people feel a reward to see the fruits of their labor like that. And also, you know, if they're coming out every week or maybe two or three times a week, they build great friendships. And it's lovely to see how engaged people are in the community that maybe they would be stuck at home or, you know, they go out and do this shopping or they go hiking, but they're not part of a community. And Habitat is really a community. And uh, yeah, so we've got a great group at the Restore that um, come out once a week, usually. And they're friends with the uh, staff at the Restore. And then the committees meet once a month, although it's been a little difficult because of the pandemic. They've been doing it by Zoom, so that's not quite as fun or meaningful. But the construction guys, I was so impressed that they kept working through the pandemic. That's dedication. And they are committed to getting these families in their homes. And mm-hmm. they just love the families because they're working side by side with them. You maybe only see them once a month, but they're so happy to see a family get a home and to build a home for them. Wonderful. And number three? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about the families that are working with you to own their own homes for the first time? Who are these people? What's What do they have in common or are they all different? I would say they're all different, but they come from very different backgrounds. Some um, come from pretty good backgrounds, but they need a hand up. Their, their income is such that they would never qualify for a traditional mortgage. Or they have a nice home, but they're paying like 65% of their income for that house because they want to give their kids a nice home. And then there's other people. There was one family living in a lean-to against their mother's shed in the back, you know, in Cordes Junction, and it was pretty awful. So that was one of the more extreme cases. But a lot of the families live in substandard housing, and we've got a lot of substandard housing in this area. People look at it and think, oh, it's such a nice retirement community. It's an artsy place, and Mm -hmm. you don't see the underbelly of what it's like for people trying to survive in a town like Prescott or the Tri-City area where, you know, home prices have just skyrocketed, which also means that rents have skyrocketed. So people live in these crummy trailers, but they're afraid to complain that there's cockroaches or there's, they can see the, the ground underneath the floor in their bathroom, there's holes there. Because, you know, the landlord will just say, okay, well, why don't you move out? And they know they can rent their place, no problem. So people don't complain. And that's really sad to see what people put up with, that there's no um, proper electrical wire. We've got one family, they're going to be moving in in June into this new home. And uh, they kept getting electrical fires in the wall because of bad wiring. And the landlord wouldn't fix it. Isn't that just unbelievable? Isn't that illegal? Yes, it's definitely illegal, but they're afraid to say anything. Mm -hmm. So how do people find you? Ah, very good question. So we advertise in like Head Start, different churches, wherever we we can get the word out that we're going to have an orientation. And we we traditionally have had an orientation in the spring of every year. Um, This year we haven't done one, and last year we didn't because of COVID. 
and uh, <clears throat> people call in throughout the year, actually, friends of families that hear about the program, and they'll ask to be put on the list. So the qualifying criteria, are they have to have lived in the area for at least a year and make between 30 and 60% of the median income of Yavapai County. And that varies somewhat depending on the size of the family, if it's just a one-person family or it's a six-person family. So those figures will vary a little bit. And it, it's not to the penny. We wouldn't like cut somebody mm-hmm. up who are just a few dollars over or under. But they've got to be able to pay a mortgage. So they have to make enough money to pay a mortgage. But if they make over 60% of the median income, we may be able to guide them to a different program where they could get like a USDA loan or some other program. So if they qualify, then they can come to an orientation and then they hear about, you know, there's no free houses and what they have to do and all the different criteria. And if they choose to, they can fill out an application. We have a committee, a family selection committee, and they will go over their income, uh, debt to income ratio, their credit scores, their tax returns, uh, to see that they're paying their bills. So all those things are taken into consideration. If they pass that kind of intensive screening, then they get a home visit. And somebody from the family selection committee and the family support committee will go and see their home. And it's not a surprise visit. They get a warning. They say, okay, we're coming out, you know, a week from Saturday. And if they haven't kind of cleaned up a little bit or there's broken refrigerators in the yard and toys everywhere and it's a mess and it's dirty, that'll be a mark against them. Uh, Somebody that, you know, is low income, they can be poor, but they don't have to live poor. You know, they can keep their home clean and tidy. So it sounds like you're looking for people who have the the drive to take care of what they do have. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Okay. And also we want them to keep their house up because two things. One, everybody in the neighborhood knows that it's a habitat house. Mm-hmm. And then if it's built and then two years later, you know, the weeds are higher than their windows and there's broken blinds and, you know, just trash everywhere. That really reflects on habitat. And then you run into the problems buying land that, oh, we don't want a habitat house in our, we don't want those people in our neighborhood. So um, it affects the entire future of the program yeah, if, if yeah. you select people who aren't able to maintain a home. Yeah. And so I understand that you also have education programs that help people develop those skills that they're going to need in order to be successful homeowners. Can you tell us a little about that? So there's a program that started actually with um, Catholic Charities and they put it on and then one of our volunteers took it over. And it's really teaching about, well, there's there's two aspects of it. One is the financial aspect and learning about what it is to have good credit, um, what it means to pay your bills on time so that you get good credit. And the benefits of that is that you get cheaper insurance, you get a better break on all sorts of things if you've got good credit. If your credit isn't good, the ramifications, you know, well, you know, I'm sure it's just not good. And it's expensive to be poor. (laughs) It is expensive to be poor. Yeah. So they learn about budgeting and making priorities, how they're going to spend their money and how to make their paychecks stretch and the value of paying off credit cards. You know, some people think of credit cards as being free money. (laughs) It's not. And then they get all this credit card debt. So we've had some families that have gotten rid of like $20,000 worth of debt by following, yes, by following this, these guidelines and the support they get from their, um, the, the, every family that gets into the program has a what we call a SAFE, and that's an acronym for um, support, advocate, and friend. Mm. And they will walk with them through the whole process of getting a house and stay with them for a year after 
they get their house. Oh, that's so great. So you don't just like hand over the keys and disappear. Yeah. yeah. So that, that is, that is a really great support. And also, you know, if you've been um, renting your whole life, I mean, I found this out when I bought a house, it's like, I didn't know where to turn the water off or how to, you know, do all sorts of things. And, you know, some people kind of criticize families like, oh my gosh, she doesn't know how to turn the water off. Well, if nobody's shown you, why, how would you know? How would you I know? Just, I it? just showed Kelly this morning where the water shut off. Yep, we just, just, just had that conversation. Absolutely this morning <laughs> where the water shut off is. And I'm not 100% sure that it's the water. It might be the gas. So I'm still I'm still figuring that out as well. And and really, like, you know, full disclosure, I went through I went through personal bankruptcy after 2008. My, the small business that I was working on then fell apart. I was behind in my rent. I couldn't keep up with my rent. And if I hadn't had a, a friend who had a, a bedroom, open um you know I, I i was i was housing insecure and i think you know a lot of us imagine that there's them mm-hmm. those people who struggle financially or get housing insecure and then there's us who don't and, and i'm just sort of somebody who's been in both places and and kelly and i have done a lot of work as a couple to to take much better care of our finances and through through covid we're actually better off than we were before COVID because we budget very closely and, 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 you know, curtailed our spending and got really smart, but we weren't smart like that 10 years ago. Well, when we got married, we were both financial idiots and we were both living (laughs) paycheck to paycheck and we were, we both together said we cannot go forward this way. And we had to, you know, get it together to figure it out for ourselves. But it sounds so great that we were were kind of each other's safe. Yes. We were each (laughs) other's safe for sure. And we're still (laughs) renting, but now I'm like, Ooh, maybe we need to apply for it. (laughs) Oh we, yeah, I think we might make a little bit too much. Yeah, maybe do. Yeah. but anyway. So, so the other is um, what's called global priorities, where they learn about the importance of being honest and being a good neighbor. What does it mean to, you know, be a good neighbor? What's required in your neighborhood? And those are things that most of our families, it's not modeled for them. So they come from families that they weren't raised the best way. If you know what I mean. Um, well, there's kind of there's kind of a culture of home ownership that isn't just having the keys. Yes, yes, there is, and that's really important for families to get. And we have some families that are absolutely fantastic uh, stories that, uh, from start to finish. What happened in the beginning to where they are now? Can you um, tell us one of those stories? Well, one story that that we have is. Um, it was a, a pretty bad hardship in the very beginning where she was living with her uh, children, I think, in her mom's garage. And that was the start of the situation. And I won't go into all the details uh, about it, but uh, what has ended up uh, is she has become an amazing woman and a leader here in the Prescott area and her children um are grown now. The son has joined the service, and he's been, I think, uh, is it the Navy, Gail, that he yes. was in? Yeah, yeah, in the Navy. And then she has one of her daughters that has is now in college, and the third daughter is just finishing high school. But her story is just absolutely amazing, and I love to to hear it over and over again because she has just gone from that bad situation to being a leader, a woman leader here in the community. And I think that's just phenomenal. And she's so proud of her children too. And they've gone, they've come a long, long, long way. And I think importantly, because we have such a huge affordable housing crisis, not only here, but all over the United States, that the awareness of that is is critical absolutely critical. And I think the more we're able to talk to the general public about it and inform them and yes, say we don't have any free homes, these families need to be vetted extensively and they need to work hard for the opportunity to earn a mortgage. It's an opportunity to earn a mortgage. And I think that's critical. But I think what's 
even more important in some levels is uh, the family. Um, well, how do I want to say this? The family is has improved. I mean, they become good citizens of the community. Their children are safer. They are not as sick as they would be living in some of these conditions that are really bad. They do better in school. They're, they're not embarrassed to have their friends come over and, and be a part of that. So it, it's just a whole big, uh, it, it's more than just giving them a home. It's what happens to the family in the process. I think that's really important. And I think the, the focus on children and families is, is really key. Kelly and I both have done mentoring for teens in, in the schools, and we would find out you know, some of their stories, some of these young people's stories. And one kid I can think of in particular, he told us that there were 16 people living in a double wide trailer and he, there was no place for him to do homework. And some nights he got to sleep. It was a rotation. Some nights he got to sleep on the couch, other nights he slept on the floor. So, and, you know, not only was it just sort of materially hard for him, he was just always anxious and angry. And he brought that to school and it made it really hard for him and the teachers to be able to work together, you know, and if he'd been able to be in a house with his own bedroom or even, I mean, he would have jumped at the chance to share a bedroom with one other person mm -hmm. to have a bed, uh, to be able to relax, to be able to, to, uh, unwind and, and to have a little privacy, it would have made a huge difference in his life. We had one family where the little girl was so excited to have a room that she laid down on the floor and did those angels. She did carpet angels. And I'm like, you're going to get a rug burn there, kiddo. You know? <laughs> but anyhow, it, it's just the families are so emotional. And, and I mean, I'm going to well up here in just a minute to, uh, to be emotional about it. But uh, it's amazing. It's such a beautiful, beautiful scene at the dedication. It's amazing. I'll bet. I'll bet. Let's give Alice a chance to well up a little bit. Let's give all of us a chance to, to feel our feelings for a little bit. And we'll be right back and talk a little bit more about not only what's happening now in the Quad Cities and Habitat for Humanity, but what the future may hold. We'll be right back with the Prescott Woman podcast. Well, let's take a little break and a little breath. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Prescott Woman Magazine. Prescott Woman shows its dedication to this community in all the ways. They cover local stories, feature local businesses, honor local leadership, champion local causes, and raise money for local nonprofits. Each issue contains gorgeous photography and provides pages and pages of value, all for free. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our previous episodes at prescottwomanmagazine.com slash prescottwomanpodcast. This episode is an extension of this issue's nonprofit feature. For more on Habitat for Humanity, pick up the April-May issue of Prescott Woman Magazine, available now. This gorgeous lifestyle and business magazine is free at locations all over town. Check the show notes or go to prescottwomanmagazine.com slash distribution to find the location nearest you or subscribe to prescottwomanmagazine.com to make sure you get your issue as soon as it comes out. All right, let's get back to our talk with Alice and Gail. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of this Prescott Woman podcast interview with the folks from Habitat for Humanity. We're here with Alice Ayers, who's the Community Relations and Events Coordinator. And we're here with Gail Martin, who, you know, who apparently has the best job, and that's vol <laughs> Volunteer Coordinator. She does. <laughs> Thank you so much both for being here. So I was really curious. You guys talk a lot about community, and it seems that community is a thread that that runs through all the different aspects of what Habitat is and what Habitat does. I was wondering um, what stable, affordable housing does for the larger community. Alice, do you want to take that one? No, you can. Okay, well, 
what we talked about before was how children um, obviously do much better in school when they've got a stable home and stable home life, you know, when they've got some space to be able to do the homework. But also there's a certain sense of security for the parents or the, you know, the mom that this is a house that they can uh, live in for as long as they want. It's a 30-year no-interest mortgage. So they're there in the community. There's no fear that the house is going to be sold under them or the rent's going to go skyrocketing and they can't afford to live there. So that makes a big difference in that particular community where they live. They're, they become part of it. And we have built houses um, in community also. We... Um, in I think 2010, we bought some land really cheap in the Bright Star subdivision in Chino Valley because of the crash. You know, we were, we were trying to get rid of some of the lots and they sold them to us for what we could afford to pay. And then they took a tax write off for the, for the rest of it. And so we built five houses. We had a capital campaign and uh, raised $500,000 for five houses for, um, it was called High Five for Habitat. And that was a little community in Chino Valley. And now it's just part of the um, subdivision now. And we have other areas where there's a group of houses. So the people become friends and can support each other. in that's like a microcosm of a community, as well as being part of the bigger community. You know, there's a certain sense of pride when you own your home and you're taking care of it rather than you're in some rundown single wide and you've got you know three or four children and like you said you have to take it in turns to sleep in a bed yeah and And they're so oh i'm sorry i was going to say it uh and and they take a house and make it a home and Mm -hmm. it's theirs they don't have to worry about a thing you know, where the the um, landlord comes in and says, you can't do that on the wall or you can't do this, you can't do that. They really uh, have that opportunity and love to make that their home for however long they want to be there. That's great. We had this wonderful opportunity to interview Jesse Hans, the executive director of CCJ, which is really focused on this housing first model of serving the community. And, and she reminds us of how much I take for granted of having some place to just be based and how everything else is easier because I have, as, as Gail saying, like a long-term place to be, you know, I can, uh, I know that I'm going to get my mail. I know that I'm going to get important mail. Um, I can, you know, put down an address when I go to the doctor and they will send me the information that I need. Um, And then, you know, for kids, like we were talking about, you know, school teachers hate it when kids move in and out of the school districts, it really disrupts the learning. It's easy, so it's easier to get jobs. It's easier to get healthcare. It's easier to get social services. And then there's all of this. We know now there's all of this social research about the importance of being embedded in a community. You talked about how people have neighbors now and have connections. It's good for our health. It actually helps keep us healthier and live longer if we're in a community, if we're in a neighborhood, if we know our neighbors. Right. And I, it's obvious to me and probably most people that, that getting housing, getting stable, affordable housing is good for the people who get it. But it sounds like from the, the one woman you were talking about who has turned that stability into um the ability, the ability to give back for her to become a leader in the community mm-hmm. um then the community benefits from those people and i was wondering if you had um experienced or seen more of of how the community benefits from your clients getting getting these homes and changing their lives well, with the the one family that I referred to a little bit earlier, she has now taken on other non nonprofit uh, opportunities uh, to build that particular organization up because of the fact that she is so well known now and she is out in the community. She has a tremendous amount of contacts. And with that, that has allowed her to 
to participate in the other nonprofits. And through that, uh, she has also uh, uh, graduated from Prescott Area Leadership, which is also extremely important. And so through a lot of her avenues that she has created on her own, that has benefited the community tremendously. Wonderful. Gosh, that's so inspiring to see someone not only just lift themselves up, but to like then take it and go. Another family who found out about Habitat because we were building a house next door to where she was staying with her boyfriend. I think she was probably about 18 or 19, just had a baby and her boyfriend, they lived in this single wide crummy trailer in Chino. And in fact, the neighborhood was so bad, we actually burnt down the trailer that was next to them. The Chino Valley Fire Department came and used that as a, a training. And, uh, and then we moved all the, you know, the rubble. That, was, that must have been a moment. Here's Habitat for Humanity, known for building houses, torching. <laughs> That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. Oh, my and, gosh. But anyways, this gal lived in, they were all horrible trailers. And she asked what we were doing. And she said, could she maybe apply? Would it work for her? And we said, sure, you know, why not try? And she was accepted. She was very young. And uh, she played the guitar. And she's quite artistic. And she eventually got her home. She worked very hard. She now works at Yavapai College. She teaches um, photography and I think art. She's a very gifted seamstress. She does the upcycling. You should see some of the fabulous jackets and coats that she makes. I mean, magical like things from Lord of the Rings, you know, we're just so creative. And yeah, now she's a teacher. You know? Fabulous photographer, too. Amazing yeah, photographer. Yeah. Oh, that's so inspiring. In fact, she's a professional photographer. We've hired her to come to some of our events. Yay. Fantastic. Great. So um, maybe this is a question for Alice. You know, you've spoken about the the rise in home prices and the shrinkage in the rental market here in the Quad Cities. Is what is Habitat for Humanity doing to respond to that? Are you are you raising more money? Are you trying to get more uh, houses built? Uh, is your is your wait list getting longer? You know, what what's what's Habitat doing in response to this shrinkage or tightening, I guess, of the housing market? Thank you for asking that. At this point. We have more need than we can accommodate. We have a lot of families that are on the waiting list. And the home prices, even with the lumber, things like that are pretty high right now. But in addition to that, so is the land. And I want to kind of segue into that. It's critical that we find land. And at this point in time, the land prices have gone so high that it is difficult for us to be able to locate some properties that would be workable for our situation. I have just finished or am working on a campaign where I have sent out a letter to all of the owners of not only the residential vacant property, but also commercial a vacant property. And the reason that we are doing that is we are in hopes that we might be able to have somebody donate land to us and receive some kind of a tax credit or something that, that works for them. I mean, a lot of these people are out of town. They have to maybe have upkeep on their property, uh, maintenance of some sort, uh, taxes, et cetera, et cetera. And if they're really not wanting to do anything with the property and it happens to be a lot here and there, I mean, we're not talking American Ranch or Haciampa, we're talking the general um, vicinities where we might be able to have a suitable habitat house for that particular community or neighborhood. And that is just something that is, is going to be critical for us because if we don't have the land, then we can't build the affordable housing to take the care of the affordable housing crisis that we have. We have an opportunity uh, to, I always use the word opportunity because that's what I really feel that we do have our opportunities to do some special mm -hmm. events. 
And during these special events, it gives uh, people who are attending the event a uh, reason to help us with our mission. So last year, we probably lost over $250,000 because we had to just scrap the events. I mean, we, and for COVID, we just couldn't do any of those at all. Plus our restore was closed for, um, I don't know, maybe five or six weeks, Gail, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. To that point, our restore takes care of all or almost all of our administrative costs. And the Builders Club is another way in which Prescott Area Habitat will have donors be able to share with us monthly or semi-annually or once a year funds of whatever they feel comfortable with. And that is just one avenue that we can use for additional revenue coming in So that regular income that you can depend on really helps you guys fund the projects, it sounds like. Right. You know, and and figure out how we can make things work. But I have some ideas that um, have been cooking in my head that have ways that we might be able to entertain some additional uh, revenue. Yeah. One of our biggest um, revenue streams now is the Arizona tax credit. And that is tremendous. That That is huge for us. Just yeah. wanted to throw that in. Yeah, there might be somebody listening who, who yes. maybe has heard about the Arizona tax credit, but doesn't, there's a little, a lot of people are a little suspicious about it. Everybody's suspicious about anything to do with taxes. Can, can one of you explain, you know, really simply and clearly what the Arizona tax credit is and how people can use it to support Habitat for Humanity? Mm-hmm. Okay, so anybody that pays taxes in Arizona has some kind of tax consequence for Arizona state tax. So you can donate up to $400 for the Arizona tax credit, and that is taken off your tax um, obligation, or you'll get it back as a tax refund. It's nothing out of your pocket. If you just donate the $400, you can get it back. Um, depending on how much you know you might owe or what your tax consequences, and it is just the best thing. And as more and more people understand it, the more money that we're getting. And for a couple, they can donate eight eight hundred, right? Yeah, and they yeah, don't so- have to do it all to Habitat. They can do a hundred to Habitat, a hundred to CCJ, hundred to Press that People Care. You have to be a qualified um, charity. Great. Yeah. You know, Kelly and I are an example. We donate to a few different community organizations. And this year we owed the federal government a little bit and we owed our accountant a little bit. And we got a refund from the state because we used the Arizona tax credit. We got a refund from the state that paid off our our federal taxes and our and our check to nice. the to the accountant. So we're we're huge proponents of of keeping that money local, basically. It's like, yeah. rather than sending the sending the funds down to the state and them figuring out what to do with it, put it to work right here in our community. Yeah, you get to decide how your tax money is spent ahead of time. Yeah. It's a win-win. So, Alice, it sounds like, you know, Habitat for Humanity is facing some challenges, you know, loss of sponsors, higher land costs, you know, the COVID pandemic curtailing some of the income. So, it sounds like you're really calling for the community to, to step up. Is that... Am I putting words in your mouth? (laughs) They're good words. We like those good words. You know, in all seriousness, and I I say this when I do some public speaking, but there's so many wonderful charities, nonprofit organizations, and we all do good work. We all do good work. And it's wherever your heart lands, whatever your heart calls you to do. And if people would like to help low-income families help their lives improve, we would welcome, we would welcome that so much. Because if we have more money, then we can buy more land. If we buy more land, then we can make more houses. And if we have more houses, then we can serve more families. And that was actually a quote from our chairman of the board, uh, Bob Fry, who that was his motto for a a while and still is. So there's um, some opportunities for, there we go with that word opportunity. I love that word. But anyhow, people to come in to help us in, in other areas if they want to 
help us at the restore if they want to help on special events. I think one of the most important things is contact. Contacts are critical. So if people know people who can say, hey, can you help Prescott Area Habitat for Humanity? And it's their passion. That would be wonderful. So you guys have so many different ways to volunteer. How do, how do people get in touch? Well, one, you could go on our website and then you can contact me basically through the website or, or you can call the office at 928-445-8003, extension 14. And that will get you right to my desk and we can chat about what you're interested in volunteering with. Some people are more interested in committees and that's great. We need committee members, but also if you'd like to do some hands-on stuff, we can get you um, signed up. Right now, we don't have an awful lot of construction going on. We're finishing up one house and we're waiting for permits for uh, three other builds. But in a couple of months, we will need volunteers, construction volunteers. We always need people at the restore. And that is a fun place to work. And also, you can get some great deals. You know, you'll be right there when stuff arrives. So. I just can't say enough good stuff about the Habitat Restore and how wonderfully it maximizes the resources that we do have, human yeah. and otherwise. It's a win-win-win. You know, it's great for customers to get a good deal. It's great for the landfills and it's great for Habitat to get make money. So it, it is terrific. So Alice, my understanding is that the the deadline for filing taxes got extended into May. So does that mean that people can still still have a chance to donate their Arizona state tax credit for the 2020 tax year? And if so, uh, what's the best way for them to to get you get you some money? That's correct. Uh, and they can mail in their payment to us if they would like. We're located at one two. 30 Willow Creek Road, Prescott, Arizona, 86301. Great, great. Fantastic. Yeah, we encourage everybody to, to do that and, and make a difference in, in the lives of the families and make a difference in our whole community. We know that everybody thrives when everybody thrives, right? Mm-hmm. So, Gail, before we leave, I know there's something, a new project called Aging in Place. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That sounds really important and exciting. Yes, it is very exciting because as we've got an older population here, you know, people own their homes, but they maybe don't have the money to keep them up. Or the biggest thing that uh, is a problem is ramps. People break a hip, they can't get in and out of their home, they're in a wheelchair, they're on crutches, their balance is off and they can't get up and down the steps. And if it's possible, we're trying to help families to build a ramp. So it's an aging in place program. And as much as we can, we try to help people with that. We don't really have the funding for it. But if people can purchase or give us the money to cover the cost of the material, our volunteers can build a ramp. Great. So does that mean local community members apply for that assistance? Mm-hmm. Great. And can they find the application on the website or they reach out to you or to Alice? Well, this- or- they would just call the office and we will see if we can help them. Some places, you know, you just can't build a ramp for them and there just isn't the physical distance. And we hope that everybody can come up with the money to build it, you know, several hundred dollars. And if not, we do have some people that might be able to help, you know, if we reach out to some of our donors. So if somebody's listening and they've got a parent that they're worried about, we know, again, the data is really clear. If if an elder can stay in their home, their outcomes are better so long as that home is safe and accessible for them. So reach out to Habitat for Humanity. Maybe you can keep your keep your mom, your dad, your uncle, your great granddad in that in that house that they love. Alice, Gail, thank you so much for sharing your journey and sharing stories about your your amazing clients and the wonderful work that Habitat does here in the Prescott area. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank Thank you for the invitation. We really appreciate it. Mm, You're so welcome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you both. I think it says a lot that Alice and Gail are still so enthusiastic about their work in spite of the challenges of COVID and land prices and all that stuff. 
I was briefly involved with Habitat many years ago on the other side of the mountain, and I found those people to be so full of heart and devotion to their homeowners. I, I would call them salt of the earth. And you know I love me some Restore, so I really hope our listeners are moved to find some way to help out. Call your uncle and get him to donate that weird piece of land. Take that nice furniture you never used to the Restore. Get some friends together and challenge them to match your donation. Volunteer for a committee. I guarantee you'll meet cool people and have some fun and feel amazing if you can help those people out. Well, again, this episode for me was about just really getting that better understanding, that deeper understanding of two really important things. One, I have neighbors who are struggling to access some of their basic needs, and and that horrifies and, and saddens me. But two, there are these dedicated volunteers and staff who are willing to get involved and not just provide charity but to actually provide a path to security and community and prosperity. And that really keeps me feeling hopeful about the Quad Cities. Our calls to action this month involve your time, treasure, and talent. Everyone has something to contribute to the causes that move them. If you want to help Habitat do what they do best, donate some buildable land, write them a nice check, drop off your finest reusable goods at the ReStore, you can go to prescotthabitat.org for all the details. If you have more time than money, you can volunteer in so many ways. Serve on a committee, do some construction, uh, show up at the ReStore to help, and so much more. Alice also wanted us to remind you that You can get in touch with her if you have an organization, like a fraternal organization or a a business group, and she'll come talk to your folks and help you and them put talents and team to work, raising money and awareness for this worthy endeavor. And, you know, another call to action is always be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And tell your friends about it. Hit that share button and send the link to one friend right now. It's so quick and easy. And subscribe to the Prescott Woman magazine so you never miss a moment of local goodness. Thank you so much for listening. The Prescott Woman podcast is produced by Rocket Feather Creative.